Welcome everybody to episode one of the Gathering Network podcast. Um, today is it's a special day because it's our first ever episode and we have with us a very special guest um, in the name of Bill Randall, who is our <laughs> commander-in-chief, as it were, um, and also a good friend. And he was with us recently in Glasgow um, and we had a great conversation with our leaders and we didn't get to finish that he had some fantastic teaching to bring and and so we we grabbed him to join us on this podcast from a few thousand miles away to to finish that for us um so welcome bill good to be um, here guys yeah it's good to have you um, good to have you. before we jump in we also have adam penketh with us here today I didn't even introduce yo, myself. Yo. My name's Andy Ashworth. <laughs> um, there you go. It's our first ever podcast. You've got to give us some grace here. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Adam. We are learning on the job. Um, it'll get. It'll be so slick, and if in a few months' time, you'll you'll be looking back and thinking, "Oh, remember those days when it was raw." Um, but anyway, until then, I'm going to hand over to Adam, and Adam's going to ask Bill a few questions. So that if you don't know Bill. Uh, and his wife Jill, then maybe you will a bit in a few minutes, and then we're going to jump in. Yeah, sweet. So, like we said, inaugural podcast. Whoop! It's good. We've been meaning to do this a while. It for a while. It's something that we wanted to do for our our network of microchurches here in Glasgow, um, and for anyone else who's connecting with us. Um, I thought you know, some of you know Bill and Jill really well. Um, some of you know him a bit and maybe met him once or twice and maybe some of you also have absolutely no idea who Bill is but as Andy said he is our commander-in-chief our mentor a kind of a spiritual dad to us I mean he is a spiritual dad to us keeps us on the right track he's so encouraging and um, (laughs) it's just yeah Bill has been um, working so much in the past few years in particular, just um, building up this um, tool that is all around what we have come to recognize as the five components of gospel movements that we're going to get stuck into in this podcast today. But before that, let's meet Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey, hey. Where are you coming from today? Where are you? I, Tell I'm us. sitting in my basement of my home in Boise, Idaho, USA. Sweet. Yeah. But you're a California boy, born and bred, right? Originally. No way. No, born in... No, what? No, born in Reno, Nevada. No way. Yeah. We're learning new things today. Yeah, born in there Reno, Nevada. Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved all over the country. Uh, my dad was Air Force pilot. And um, yeah, and then I landed in, in uh, Southern California, probably around fifth grade and lived there through college. Okay, sweet. I've well, fifth grade, like teenage years. Fifth grade, yeah, no, before junior high. Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. You Got can you. tell we're very we're very au fair with the American education system. <laughs> I know. For all of our American <laughs> colleagues, we apologize profusely. <laughs> it's good, but okay. But Jill is a Californian born and bred, right? She Have I got is, that right? Yeah. At least surfer girl okay, that sweet. she there is. Out. Right on. You got that. Okay. Right. But we really, awesome. um, we lived into that culture and, and loved it for the years that we were there went you know finished high school went to college Joel and I met in college and then got married and uh, moved to the east coast where we started our church planting career after seminary wow okay so you guys have been kind of I've heard it said before like serial church planters right that's been your gig pretty much yeah for a few decades yeah we either were planting them or we were birthing them from the existing church but yeah, many wow. churches through the years and uh, kind of a career of church planting, leadership development, um, you know, discovering things along the way. Like you can't you can't do the life Jesus made possible without the power of the spirit. So learning all of that and then finding strategies that, you know, in in certain contexts work better than in others to see people discover Jesus and become part of the movement that Jesus started. So yes, we've been working that you know, through the decades and ended up okay. moving back to San Diego after planting a church there and led led that for uh, a few years, three, three and a half years. Then moved to San Diego and planted a few churches uh, in that area. Um, and then had a had an experience of burnout and uh, ended up taking yeah. some time. We, we thought we were going to kind of do a, a rest period, so we moved to Northern California and um 
came into a church that was about five years old, and um, the Lord had other plans. He got us there and then grabbed us uh, to lead the only church we, we didn't plant um, and did that. We were there 19 years total, and during that time, wow. learned all kinds of things about about uh, equipping missionaries, church planters, worship leaders, and so forth. Um, you know, worked in this this the seminary and university setting, um, training on on different kinds of ministry air, ministry themes and so forth, and then um, right started a ministry school for emerging leaders, and then just woke up yeah. one day, John. I woke up one day and just said, "What are we doing?" Um, we we just had a passion for coming alongside leaders and teams that wanted to um, be externally focused, looking at their context, wanting to reach them, make more more and better disciples of Jesus, and multiply the impact of, of the kingdom at work in their context. And so, anyway, got invited to speak at a Novo, used to be called CRM, but this mission org that we're a part of, and you guys are a part of. And... Yeah. Uh, 2014, we went and spoke on supernatural, normalizing the supernatural, and found this yeah. organization. Like, what the heck? They're all doing what just resonates with our heart. So, anyway, we jumped on board, and here we are. Here we are, and here we are with you because Andy loved your your chat and your teaching at that very conference that we happened to be there. Yeah. Sent you a cheeky That's email, right. and the rest is history, right? Andy? That's right. I think we started. <laughs> We started a coaching conversation just a few months after that conference. That's right. I think just, yeah, in the, in the fall or the autumn for our British people. That's awesome. Okay, that's so cool to hear, Bill. So it, it's like a lifelong kind of journey you guys with Jill have been on. Um, okay, I've got a random question for you. So yeah. before you were the official kind of, you know, you guys were planting churches, what was your first like vocational ministry missionary job like role was it that or was there something before that uh i've done a, i've done an assortment of things like you tend to do when you're a kind of an apostolic entrepreneurial so i've done kind of like yeah i've been around the block you know in terms okay. of training training people for ministry team work kingdom ministry prayer ministry so forth i've you know trained yeah tons of people on like how to do home groups um you know but the primary thing I did uh, through the throughout a lot of those years was worship leadership, and um, oh yeah, so, yeah, dude, that's sweet. You've yeah, got an man. album, right? Yeah, man. Or two. How many I, have you got, Bill? You have. I'm sure you have more than one. I think I've recorded eight albums. Yeah. There you hey, go. What? That is awesome. Okay. <laughs> There's that affinity there as well because the like Andy leading worship and you know yeah. that oh, being yeah, a big we, part of our community. Yeah. It was some of our fun conversations, just just even you know rethinking like what is worship, what is the stage yeah. about, um, what do we, what's the big win if it was a if somebody said man that worship was great, what does that mean? I mean I remember right. those conversations. <laughs> yeah, hard, they, hard but good. Hard but good, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Okay, and so another thing I want to know, I think I know a little bit about this, but. It would actually be really enlightening, and not just for me, but maybe for everyone else to to hear this. Is like what what have you studied, and how many degrees? What specialities? What focuses? All yeah. that that big question. Yeah. So in college, Point Loma College in San Diego, I got a BA. This is sounds terrible, but a BA in religion, <laughs> which was basically wow. which was basically biblical studies and theology. And then okay. uh, I went to seminary, Gordon-Conwell Seminary in Massachusetts, and got a what's called a Master of Divinity, which is, you know, the... Okay. It was a degree program for people that were going to engage in local church ministry primarily. And then okay. a few, few years later, I started a doctoral program at Fuller, and that, that basically was um, covered spiritual formation and leadership you know, for, for mission. Wow. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of years in books and reading and reflecting and writing and, um, and, uh, yeah. then ended up teaching for about 15 years at a university and a seminary in, 
in uh, Redding, wow. California. Okay. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me because I'm always amazed at how many books you read. Every time I meet you or speak to you again, you're like, yeah, I've read these 15 books. And I'm like, what the, what, <laughs> wait, I've read like three chapters since I last spoke to you. For those, <laughs> for those of you that can't see Bill, because we're obviously just recording this audio, but we can see him and his room is just, the background of his Full office of is just books and books and books. And yeah. if you ever have a conversation with Bill, that'll come out because yeah, he's, yeah. A serial quoter of people also um yeah. yeah and also a plug i mean a free plug right bill's book the life jesus made possible is really good get it. check that one out get a hold of that it's like an encyclopedia of living as a follower of jesus empowered it's good it really is yeah. it really is and and each yeah. chapter is 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 almost self-contained and so mm-hmm. i i often find myself using it like a like adam said like an encyclopedia oh yeah what does it say about um you know spiritual warfare flick 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 you like have a whole chapter just on that. Or... Yeah. Yeah. It's, or like, it's yeah. ace. It's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a cool. life so, message, yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah. Bill. Interrupted you there. Um, <laughs> you know, we're still new at this podcast thing. Um, so we, we're going to transition just into to letting Bill teach us for for a bit. But before we do that, I just want to set the scene a little bit. Um this is really a, a follow-on conversation from a conversation we had with our microchurch leaders when Bill was in Glasgow a few weeks ago. And um, I'm going to summarize a little bit about that. And I think Bill Bill's going to go into this in more detail. But one of the things that, um, that Bill and a team of people within Novo have been working on over this last little bit is developing a... Um, really a, a lens through which we as everyday believers whether in vocational ministry or not can think about um living out a life following jesus which has uh, a has impact on people that don't know jesus around us and b positions us for the movement of god and uh, you know bill will say this he'll say you can't you can't make a movement happen you can't make a move of the spirit happen but what you can do is position yourself um, and the people around you or your church or organization whatever to be to catch the wind to catch the wind of 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 god as as he as he moves um so we were having this conversation about the five components of movement or five com which are one activating prayer two engaging culture three making disciples four growing leaders and five forming churches and it was such a helpful conversation because I think if you if you view your life's work almost through that lens, um, you can celebrate whichever stage you're at. And, and I think that's, that is so important, especially when you're trying to live a life on mission. It, it's just hard. Mission's hard. Um, incredibly worthwhile. We should all be doing it. And And as Christians in the West, I think that we... We don't do it enough, but uh, it is hard. And being able to celebrate every part of that 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 um, paradigm from activating prayer and engaging culture before we even get to making disciples, I think is actually just quite life-giving. If the only thing we measure is making disciples, everybody ends up feeling like a failure. Um, and so I think that was really helpful. And we had this conversation and people started, I think at the beginning of the night, um, people were thinking, well, what stories can I share? I don't think I have any stories. And then Bill framed it like this for us and immediately the story started flowing. Um, and and because the story started flowing, we didn't have a chance to have this this chat from Bill uh, from Acts 19, um, which is why we're here. So um, I'm going to hand over to Bill. He can fix everything I just said about 5Com because, you know, <laughs> he he was he was involved in uh, in creating this um, uh, course. And, and maybe actually Bill... Bef- Maybe before you teach or at the end, either way, if you could tell us a little bit about the, the movement pathway, that would be helpful too. Um, yeah. That's something yeah. that we're going to engage with a little bit. But uh, here, Bill, I'm going to hand over to you. Yeah. The mic yeah, is yours, my friend. No, you did a good job. That's good. I'll just say that in case we don't come back to it, the movement pathway is a simple delivery of the training for everyday believers. We wanted to package it in such a way that everyday believers – you know, who have regular lives, families, work, uh, could engage in the 
the the training and 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 find the the um, experiments within reach for people, um, and that's what we want. So you you know, we offered a, a more I don't know robust, big, hard <laughs> version of this, and we we trained about fifty five Novo missionaries. And in doing so, we found, but what about the delivery system for the people they're working with on the ground? And so this is designed for everyday believers to work together, um, in a sense, as a, as a missional family or team to see their neighborhood and networks uh, touched with the love, truth, and power of God. So what we're going to share now from the book of Acts is an example of a gospel of the five components um, being uh, utilized by the Apostle Paul and those he worked with. Um, and it's something that, you know, a gospel movement is something that's, I believe, really on the heart of God. I mean, it's hard to get away from the truth that God, God's heart for people that are far from him, you know, th that's something that just burns and he provided everything needed. He sent his son, he gave us his spirit, um, and really called us into the family business of, of joining Jesus and seeking and saving the lost. Um, so the why of everything we're talking about is the heart of God for people far from God, for the broken, the marginalized, for the lost. And, um, and Paul carried that passion, that burden in him as he went from city to city. And uh, we, we find him in Acts 19 uh, coming into uh, the city of Ephesus. You know, uh, you can, I, I can imagine him making his way through those rugged Roman roads and, and comes over the crest of, of, of some hill and looks and sees the skyline of Ephesus, which was a remarkable thing to see. Uh, the build, the, you know, some of the facilities there were, were marked as, you know, some of the wonders of the world in that, in that time. And Ephesus was organized around uh, one of the most demonic, you know, cult realities uh, of the time in the cult of Diana and the Temple of Artemis. So it was, it was a city. It was a complex city. It was a po very populated city. Uh, it was full of commerce. It was a wealthy city. It was highly organized around uh, this cult. So, so you would say it was a difficult city. It was, it was a hard to reach people group, um, to put it in in you know kind of just to summarize the context of what Paul was facing and let me just back up and say a gospel movement is a thing it's it's not just an idea a gospel movement it kind of has a technical uh, definition and it's and it's got to be in the heart of God that he wants this because the gospel movement uh, as is defined by a missiologist is a, is a rapid multiplication of new disciples um that goes, you know, whether it's you're counting people or or discovery groups or new uh, expressions of church, but goes four generations deep. So somebody leads somebody who leads somebody who leads some, you know, four generations of multiplication on more than one strand so that it's not just Adam doing it, um, but Adam's doing it and Andy's doing it or Adam's doing it and he leads somebody who also goes four deep. So this is a thing that we can we can say, see as a goal. Like I pray for Glasgow for a gospel movement, meaning I am praying for the day when there's a rapid multiplication of new disciples that results finally in new expressions of church that are continuing that same work, becoming incubators of disciple formation, as well as seeing the culture shift. And we're going to see that in the in this chapter 19 of the book of Acts, a gospel movement that actually results in cultural transformation. I mean, the 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 Glasgow, you know, this to see the the thought when it comes to mind when somebody thinks of Glasgow to be, oh, it's a place of brilliant hope. Uh, the light is is crush the dark is crushing the darkness. And it's it's showing up statistically, you know, the death rates going yeah. down, health, health, and 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 um, just the vibrancy of people, um, hopelessness evaporating, hope, and all of that is something that can happen, and that's just what that's just something only God can do. But as Andy said, we can position ourselves because 
for for a gospel movement, which makes it more likely. So five com or five components of gospel movement. It's it's a framework rather than a method. So there are many methods. This framework that we're talking about is something you can fit many methods into. And that's important because contexts are different. And things that work in one context are, are, are you know, probably have to be adapted or sh shifted or whatever. So there's many tools. Um, but the five components is, a, is, again, it's a movement framework. And if we can just open the book of Acts chapter 19, I'm going to read a bit of it and then go through it with some comments to kind of tease out the five components which Andy has already uh, provided you. So it says in verse 1, while Apollos was at, was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, well, then what baptism did you receive? Oh, John's baptism, they replied. And Paul says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in, in, Je that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were uh, about 12 men in, in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively, persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them and then it goes on and we'll we'll peek at some more of this how it impacted the city and so forth but as we go back we can see remember the five components the first one is activating prayer and activating prayer is a combination of being uh, aware that god is still communicating and and speaking so there's a posture of listening and there's a posture of extending the kingdom through through contending prayer or kingdom come prayer and so uh, we we come right to the beginning. It's it's that it's that posture of prayer that's very open to the supernatural and to the reality that that God is not only involved but is empowering us uh, to say and do what only Jesus can say and do. And so his first concern when he comes uh, to see this appointment God has for him to 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 minister in Ephesus is he needs a team that's empowered by the Spirit. And so his first question is not, "Hey, do we have a, you know, do we have a facility? You know, do we have a budget? He, you know, do we have an organization?" His first question is, "Hey, you who?" And I again, Paul assumes these are already followers of Jesus. He discovers quickly that they're actually prepared for Jesus by John's baptism of repentance, but they were not converted yet. So his question makes sense. He goes, "Hey, have you received the the Holy Spirit when you believed, or that?" word in the Greek or after you believe the idea there is you can have the spirit in you as a believer but you might not have the spirit upon you at, in in the form of empowerment he wanted empowered disciples and so he offers that question and when they clarify it, he goes oh so then he explains the gospel more fully to them and so we see first of all activating prayer in 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 this first question did you receive the Holy Spirit he he's he's talking about something that happens out of a, a prayer request to Jesus, um, to the Spirit. Um, Jesus said, you know, hey, if you fathers, you know, who, who you don't do everything perfect, you would never give something evil or, or dangerous to your children. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And that whole context of the persevering prayer to ask for the empowering of the Spirit, we see it in the the opening of, of the book of Acts where Jesus said, you're going to receive power, but you got to wait for it. In in Acts 1.14, they're, they're praying in an upper room in Acts 2, where they are in that upper room, and they get blasted with the power of, of God. And the movement Jesus started really takes off at that point. 
So that's Paul's chief concern. And he starts with that. And then he explains the gospel to them. And on hearing this, verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there's making disciples. They were baptized. They were incorporated into the body of Christ. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues. So, so this is a you know another activating prayer example. Uh, we can do the same. We can pray for people, and God can come in power and unleash um, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And to see a gospel movement, this has got to be n normal. So we start with activating prayer, but we stay with activating prayer. It goes with all the all the components. It's it's threaded throughout everything. It's like breathing. We're listening and obeying, listening and obeying, and. Uh, so it, then it goes down in verse 8. Again, we, I know we read this, but just to tease it out, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. So there he is, engaging culture. He picked. Um, so what we do is, when we get our marching orders from Jesus, take the city for God, Ephesus, you know, is, is what I want you to focus on, is what are the hot spots? Where are there places and faces where uh, Paul and his, his, his uh, little band of disciples can spend time building you know relational equity uh, letting the gospel leak out in various ways and the synagogue was a perfect perfect place they were the synagogue was the place where the Jews would be uh, praying and waiting and um, hoping for a Messiah to come that so they were kind of primed but not they 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 hadn't discovered Jesus as as the Messiah and so that's a good what a ripe missional space and that's where they go. So there's a engaging culture. They, he speaks there about the kingdom of God. That was, you know, the message, primary message of Jesus. Paul picks it up. It needs to continue to be our prime. We have a king who has a kingdom where his reign and rule is meant to be explained and shared and, and pe invite people into the active rule of God on earth. And so he's doing that. And in, in doing that, he it moves to three he makes some new disciples it says but some of them became obstinate and refused to believe and publicly maligned the way so paul left them and he took the disciples with him he had disciples and he made some disciples some it's the way it is when you engage culture some <laughs> become obstinate some become you know attracted and um are hungry for more and so uh what what does he do next he he took the disciples with him those hungry for more, and had discussions with them in the lecture hall at Tyrannus. So <clears throat> the synagogue provided a, a missional space. The synagogue is a facility that facilitated um, engaging culture um, and, and making disciples. And now he's, he's looking at another facility. He didn't need it to start with, but as the need grew, um, he needed a facility to facilitate leadership development or for, or you know growing leaders and so um the prime we, we we read in the whole story here if you look at acts 19 and 20 the house uh meetings were the primary facility that facilitated the ongoing cultivation of new disciples and multiplication but here he rents out uh a lecture hall a, a, a philosophy school but he takes it probably during their siesta and takes those hours and uses them to to train up uh, uh, emerging leaders who would then be sent up into Asia Minor and um, what we know of Asia Minor were the seven churches of the book of you know Revelation 2 and 3 and other churches that were there um, sends these church planters up so there, there we have jumping to five you have you know forming churches so uh, they went up. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and the Greeks uh, in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So it was contagious. It was multiplying. I'm telling you, the DNA of 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 movemental thinking is multiply everything. Mo you know, multiply prayer, get more people praying. Multiply missional spaces through engaging them and engaging culture. Multiply disciples. I mean, that's one of our things we're we want to count is how many new disciples of Jesus that are making new disciples of Jesus. We're, that's kind of on mm. our, our scorecard of what really matters in a gospel movement and how many new leaders, because you get to a point where you're forming 
you know, disciples and you're, you, you need to multiply you <laughs> as a, as a disciple maker. And so we see, we actually see Paul, um, move from purely practitioner to a catalyst. So now he's not just a practicing, uh, um, sharing the gospel, making disciples. He's catalyzing a whole, who knows how many were in that room at the Lecture Hall of Tyrannus, but he's catalyzing them. So now he's kind of moving from direct ministry only to, I'm sure he continued to make disciples as he walked home from work so and so forth. But now he's pouring in and giving it away and multiplying it through uh, these these you know students, uh, these apprentices that he was training in the lecture hall of trainers. And God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. You read that, it's like, hello, activating prayer. Um, this, you know, it, he, he had normalized the supernatural so that it was it would it would just happen uh, as needs arose. It it must have just been something that, as I like to say, you know, come, came to mind um, instinctively that when, then when there was a need, he said, may I pray for you? And that's something we can also follow in, you know, our neighborhood and in our networks and our, you know, wherever we recreate is, is the thought, hey, God is still the same today, yesterday, and forever. And activating prayer is a phenomenal way for people to discover Jesus. I mean, we use other methods like Discovery Bible Study, which um, I'm sure you guys have unpacked and your 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 crew is aware of that. But so is so is activating prayer. Um, people can be shocked into discovering Jesus, you know, uh, by having a, a a remarkable answer, you know, extraordinary um, answer to prayer. Well, as you read down, I, I I'm jump the whole thing. I would really encourage everybody to just read the whole thing thoughtfully but verse 17 he says when this became known this thing that he describes about this 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 whole phenomenon of of demonization and deliverance he said when this became known to the jews and greeks living in ephesus they were all seized with fear and the name of jesus was held in high honor many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done a number of them who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly when the, when they calculated the value of the scrolls the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which would be millions of dollars in, in terms of USD. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. What was going on here is that the impact of their discipleship, I mean, they didn't, they, it's, it doesn't say that they stood on the top of tall buildings shouting at principalities and powers. They preached the gospel, trained leaders, healed the sick, set the captives free. And what this did is it changed the hearts of people who had lived in this cult-laden city of Ephesus and the normalcy of having, um, you know, scrolls and so forth, paraphernalia of the occult was, was a thing, you know, you would, you would build up and own and use, and then you'd pass on. It would be, it would be like, you know, an inheritance uh, worth so much money. And people were, were giving that up. People were renouncing it and burning it. And it, it, a changed heart's changed homes changed you know generations um it, it was a remarkable um, example of the impact of the gospel having its way you know in heart to heart home to home neighborhood to neighborhood is this renunciation of this of this connection with the occult um and then verse 23 another example about this time there arose a great disturbance about the way which was how they described the Christian movement in the beginning. He says, silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, uh, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen. So here it's the economy, it's businesses in Ephesus. This was a main feature of the city. He called them together and he's, uh, along with the workers in the related trades and says, hey, you know, my friends, we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and in particularly and, and practically in the whole province of Asia. Anyway, it goes on. Basically, the shopkeeps were going out of business. Not again because Paul was, you know, had people protesting out front of these stores, but because so many hearts were being transformed that it transformed the city and was putting out the businesses that were that were promoting 
uh, the occult. And that's what we're going to see in cities is that, you know, the, the businesses that promote darkness um, are going to see an impact because they're just not going to have the clientele because heart after heart, home after home uh, are experiencing the spiritual transformation. And so what comes to mind to fill the need in our heart for life or for feeling alive isn't going to be pornography. It, it, it's not going to be, you know, the occult. It, those 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 um, entrench, entrenchments are going to be lifted off of hearts. So the pocketbooks of those kind of shopkeeps are going to be impacted and and we'll see them go out of business um, and and just another expression of the kingdom. So it, it just, you know, there's more and more stories of it on that. But if you, if you jump over to chapter 20, I'll just show you a couple of other things that are are kind of cool. In, chap, in chapter 20, verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent for the, sent to Ephesus. So now he's making a, another um, uh, trip through the, the southern southern Asia. And he, he sends for the... Uh, to Ephesus for the elders of the church right there leaders that have been, can be named are and it's multiple leaders for the church so we, there's a church there so the outcome is there's a church in Ephesus uh, again the fifth um, component of gospel movement is that there's got to be new expressions of 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 Jesus following you know believers and we, we say a church can be as simple as a people that connect together consistently around three things. One, worship, you know, prayer connection horizontally with God. Uh, there's the, the sense of, of intentional community to encourage and hold one another accountable to the promises we've made Jesus. And, and then third, a specific, tangible way of, 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 of mission that individuals and and even teams together go out and this is supported you know through just you know holistic life doing life together and uh, rather than thinking of it as a program or an adjunct thing an add-on thing uh, to our life and uh and then verse 20 you know that i have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you but have taught you publicly so that's in that's in the neighborhoods that's that's in the culture and from house to house House to house means this is more than one house. There were it, the the primary again incubator of discipleship and the promotion of mission was house fellowships, or what I think uh, in your in your neck of the woods you call microchurches. And so anyway, it it kind of just goes on, but and we learn from um, extra biblical historical. Uh, context that Ephesus just blew up with the gospel. It literally tens of thousands uh, came to came to know Jesus, became followers of Jesus, and phenomenal transformation of hearts and homes and a city. And that's what our heart is for for you know the gathering for um, for all of Scotland and beyond is mm -hmm. that hearts and homes and neighborhoods and networks. And we would really see a rapid multiplication of new disciples that that eventually result in new expressions of of simple churches that are families living holistically on on mission, loving one another, loving Jesus, and eventually seeing really the culture transformed with the good news of God. Mm. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Bill. That's so good. Um, if you didn't hear us umming and ahhing along the background, it's because he muted our microphones as good polite British people. But um, but but we were going for it. Um, yeah, we, man, there's so much to unpick from that, and um, and we don't have super long. But I'm gonna hand over to Adam first. I think Adam maybe has a question or two. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Bill. I really appreciate your your teaching, and it's also like I I feel like like what you said, five components of gospel movements and the the movement pathway that you have created with all of the team at Novo isn't just the next fad or, uh, you know, the, the next thing to tick a box or whatever. It's really reverse engineering what you see in the Bible, right? And what you see the, the church, the early church doing acts and beyond again and again and again, right? It, it repeats that those five components, like having yep. heard yep. all of your chat and looking through acts, it repeats over and over, like even in, in like chapters 
three, four, five, and six, you see a full expression of of the five components there. I think as well, yeah. and it's just yeah, you do. I think yeah, that's what's and, really exciting about this. And it's probably good for your listeners to know that this this thing we're talking about is is going on. It's actually a thing going on. It's in fact, there's never been um, a more rapid time of 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 new disciple making or even of gospel movements um, being launched in parts of the world. Yeah. Of course, uh, hugely mm-hmm. in the Middle East, um, Southeast Asia, and Africa, but other parts of the world. And now our hope is, right, Western Europe. And we want to see Britain yeah, sure. touch and Scotland mm-hmm. touch with the gospel. And it can happen. It will happen. That's our hope. Yeah. And as Andy said, the thing is, you know, movements are slow and sometimes hard. So the key is perseverance. What will it take to fan in the flame and keep our hearts aflame uh, with the heart of God for this to happen? Um, what kind yeah. of what kind mm-hmm. of deliveries for encouragement and accountability that are loving and gracious but consistent? Yeah, no, it's good, and I think that's what that really stood out to me when you just pulled apart this story. Um, was how can we not hope? Like we're one of the few places in the world right now where our context where we're not seeing this happen, like you said, but it just feels like it's never going to happen because of that. But then you read this story in a place like Ephesus for it to transform that drastically because people are giving their lives to Jesus and everything after that is a fruit of that, those personal, personal transformations, right? The cultural transformation, the the change in the socioeconomic status of the place. It's so... It's so challenging and inspiring for us in Glasgow here and beyond to to partner with hope and partner with faith because we're at the beginning of this, do you know? Um, and I think one thing I want to ask you is that I think the game changer for me here is what I hear you saying a lot is there's a shift in how we think as believers is that the the work of the church isn't for the one or the two, right? But it's for everyone. Yeah, is, yeah, that's good. Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, and if there was, I know that you're, like, we're going to be doing this in the autumn, the movement pathway with our community and with anybody else, if you're listening to this and not part of our community, you want to get stuck in, get in touch with us. Um, anyone who's interested in the autumn, we're going to be doing this. But, like, right now, I think my question to you is, the, the activating prayer is where we find ourselves most often. That's the kind of the stage, if we look at the five components that we're in most of the time. There and kind of engaging culture is where we live and we're hoping to get into the making of disciples you know um but i think one of the challenges for believers right now in our western context is that feeling of disempowerment like what's one thing they can do right now to feel and to to almost like align themselves for that power of the and that alignment of the holy spirit to land on them to get out there i don't know do you know like yeah just to see some i think a a few things we see is is one is is ask for it ask for it individually ask for it corporately um but but to do it with an eye towards the expectation that that god will do what he's promised to do but he does expect us to respond in obedience and so okay. it, the power is for a purpose. The, the power right. is, Jesus said, I, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. A lot of the trouble in the church is we have separated, you know, kind of uh, charismatic, you know, spirit, the spirit work. We've, we've compartmentalized that from mission. But Jesus right. never does. And nowhere yeah. where we're seeing a gospel movement happen do they separate it. So... Exp- mm. and the other thing is uh, be intentional about these five components so if you're doing activating prayer part of it is you're you're softening the ground you're you're learning to listen but with listen with expectation that you could get an assignment what are the right. faces and places that yeah. the holy spirit would bring to mind and frequent those places uh prayer walking and serving or however you know the holy spirit leads you to engage culture but while you and then while you're engaging culture you're praying that you can have a spiritual conversation or, the, or you know you can begin to build a, f- a friendship with someone who's far from god who's who's um 
can be moved to you know recognition because you've been you you're in that place uh, with some frequency so that you actually build from stranger to friend to somebody who has mm. the right you know has earned the right uh, to to share you know their story or invite them to discovery in, in some way so that mm. you see how these things go to activating prayer yeah unleashes to us assignments we get into our assignment we're building relational equity that gives us the right to invite people to discover Jesus when they discover Jesus we notice within that there's people that have leadership on them we sidebar them and begin to ask them to multiply themselves and do it we did with them to do it with somebody else yeah. and eventually that all keeps multiplying and what Jesus said you build you you make disciples and Jesus promised in Acts in uh, Matthew 16 I will build my church the result will be if right. we do that uh, new expressions of simple Ecclesia, simple micro churches will be the result. Yeah. Good. That's so good, Bill. And I'm really glad that you that you landed even and you and Adam have landed in this little conversation here on the activating prayer because I think that's where a lot of people find themselves. That's where a lot of people start, you know. Um when they when they're taking those those first tentative steps into mission, or even if we've been in it for a while, it's um it's a place we often find ourselves in activating prayer. And I think in the, in the, the scripture that you shared, Paul started his, his activating prayer with, with kind of semi-believers. And, um, you know, a part of his activating prayer was praying empowerment of the Holy Spirit on them. And that, that's incredible. And especially if you're looking for a team, that's really, that's maybe applicable. Um, but for a lot of us, we've got nobody. Uh, or 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 not quite that way, and, and maybe we're in a neighborhood, maybe we're in a street, maybe we're in a workplace, and and activating prayer for us looks different. And I I think that it's that I I just I just love that you guys have unpacked that a little bit more, and and because I would like to encourage people that um, praying for praying with hope and intention, and expectation for people, and being ready for the assignment of the Holy Spirit. Yep, like that is that is yep. activating prayer wherever. And whatever context you find yourself in. Yeah, we like um, to say with activating prayer, you start there and you stay there. That just goes with you through good. the whole thing. And when you get stuck, you you rally activating prayer around that area. So people in in the movement in the movement pathway or in the five com paradigm, people often get stuck uh, between engaging culture and making disciples. Well, that, that's something mm. Jesus cares about. I mean, it's great. We've gained relational equity. We know everybody's name in our neighborhood. We know their dog's name, all of that. But no one's, no one's been invited or is discovering, is in a paradigm where they, a context that they can discover Jesus. It's actually going to Jesus with that problem. It's actually, you know, or getting prophetic, getting some prophetic ministry to speak into that situation. Another mm. place people get stuck is between um, you know, you have in a DBS, you have a group of of discovering Jesus type disciples, but that becoming a church, and that's also something where prayer and um, you know what we're trying to offer through the movement pathway, for example, can offer some mm -hmm. guidelines and some some ideation on that. Yeah, that's so good. Um, the other thing that really stuck out to me. Um, and I know you, Bill, so, I'm, you know, we hear this a lot, but um, it stuck out to me again as you were teaching is um, multiply everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I think what's so encouraging about that and what we need to hear about that is that I think sometimes when we you may be toiling and toiling, or you know, just tilling the ground for the gospel or whatever for a period and maybe one thing happens, maybe you get a a new kind of missional space or maybe you have like a disciple or and and i think that sometimes we can get so happy <laughs> that we have one thing that's working we actually don't automatically think about the multiplication but it, i think it's also at the times when in my experience at the times when a thing starts to happen is actually when five or six things start to happen mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. or the opportunity for that starts to happen mm -hmm. and i think it's it's maybe not in everyone's mind to to think about multiplying it's good you know and you know all the things uh, yeah. but actually for movement to happen we, we've got to have that mindset don't we of um it'd be really everything it'd be really healthy if we grew an instinct that 
if we're going to be obedient to, Lord, show me some faces and places that you'd have me go, is a, a, a thought would instinctively come to us. It's like, and who can I invite to come with me? Right. Yeah. 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 And then it becomes, it starts to snowball. And that's, mm. I mean, that's where you get the multiple strands that you're talking about as well. And yep. um, of, of movement when it's not just one person or a couple of people. It's good. Yeah. It's great. It's that kingdom economy of like you give everything away, right? It's just following Jesus. Like we're getting out there on mission, like partnering with Jesus and you give it away with someone else and then you give it away and they give it away. It's that and the kingdom just keeps rolling and rolling. And it's it's that's not been normal for us in. Well, not for me and not what I've seen in our church culture for a long time in my life and probably way before that, um, which is a shift that's happening, which is exciting to see yeah yeah amen well guys thanks so much for being with us today um we've we've reached the end of our time for this particular podcast thank you bill for taking the time out yeah a legend hey a legend well i bless you and i bless your tribe uh with a continued openness uh just a an increase of hunger and thirst in a in a a sustainability that comes from uh, the community being organized around cheering each other on, going on mission together, and the and the continue continual informing of the spirits refreshing on hearts and and lives, and I and I I bless you with hope that a gospel movement is inevitable because it's the heart of God for your context, and um, we come against every id id ideation that says it can't happen here like we have the one Mm. place on the planet this is the one place it can't happen i break the power of that thought system and release Mm. the truth that because it's not us it's jesus we just do our part to obey it it sets god up uh to do what only he can do in jesus name yeah amen amen thank you so much for joining us today bill and uh, recording this podcast with us and encouraging us and speaking those truths over us. We receive them all completely. Thank you very much. And thank you to everybody that's taken the time to listen to this podcast, which is our first episode. And keep an eye out for our next episode, which should be out next month.